Rabe drives, kicks that one back out. Back out. Stalazzane from the parking lot for three. <laughs> Another episode of Dinos Unfiltered coming at you. Jeremy Lee and Kate Finley in studio with me this week. I know, I'm always excited to come back for the volleyball <laughs> ones. <laughs> That's right. We are gearing up for volleyball nationals happening in the Jack this coming weekend. No, I feel like I've been waiting for this to happen for like a year and a half. And now that it's here, I'm like panicking. But I'm excited, excited panicking. <laughs> From the event side of things. Yes, how, from, how, from the event side. <laughs> how are we looking? Good. Yeah? I mean, a lot of work has gone into this event, a lot of man hours, um, a lot of passion and patience and a lot of hard work. So uh, I'm hoping that the teams that come out have a great experience and that the fans have a great experience uh, and that we get three days of wicked volleyball, which I am, have no doubt that we will. But aside from that, a lot had happened... In Dino Land, especially on the track and on the basketball court, we had way more success on the track and field versus basketball, though, however, right? Yeah, I, uh, I had the awesome opportunity on Friday morning to head up to Edmonton and watch our track team compete uh, in eSports up at the uh, Butterdome. My first time being in that building, by the way, I didn't actually realize that it looks like, like why it's called the Butterdome. It looks like a piece of butter, like a slab of butter. Oh, there you <laughs> like, go. Yeah. Like it's like that yellow block. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd never been there before. <laughs> right. And Great it's not, it's not um, called the Butterdome um, formally, right? No, 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 not formally. That's right. just kind of, yeah. But if you look <laughs> at, like I Googled it as the Butterdome when I was looking for directions yeah. and it came up. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so formal informally, enough, but right? formal enough for Google. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, terrific performance by some of our athletes. Um, I mean, Eric Lutz being sort of the headliner of that. Two gold medals, one of which was an Alberta record. He also won the uh, Student Service Award. He also won the male athlete of the, of the meet. Like, he was just on a roll. And I, I was talking with Doug Lamont, the head coach of the track and field team, about it. And it just, it honestly seemed like Lutz for the last couple of weeks has just been on a different wavelength like he he's not just winning he's dominating he's making the smart move at the right time and he's making watching a 1500 meter race exciting for a non-runner mm, <laughs> to yeah, watch totally and like the track i just i love the track environment uh, the track and field environment sorry just because it's so team focused and for a t like for a sport that's very individual um it's like all the events are individual every single member of that team is your teammate. And so you have people that are lined up on the track, cheering you on, doing everything that you do. And it's, it's just so welcoming and so inviting. And it's also, especially in the field events, like as much as it's competitive, it's also people want to see these feats of athleticism just for the sake of seeing them. And so they want to see records broken whether or not they break it themselves. So like you have guys that are on opposite teams who are congratulating each other all the time on good jumps, good throws, everything like that. Cause like at the end of the day, it's all about improving the athleticism yeah. and like these guys that they see each other all the time and meets and yeah. yeah, it was, it's just such a, such a great environment. It's a unique dynamic. really. It right? is. Yeah. There's just so much going on all the time too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other big shout outs, so Osa Remy, who was on the podcast with yeah, you guys last show, that's right. Yeah. So uh, she threw a personal record by, I want to say it was like 80 centimeters. Like she just 
crushed yeah. it in the shot put. One gold, her first U Sports gold. Um, well, yeah, she like, jokes about how the Butter Dome is one of her favorites to throw oh, on. So she's like... Vibing kinda, well for her. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. She was like, it's kind of like a home, home field for me. So yeah, yeah that's good. Um, Colin Unruh also jumped, I believe, a school record. Definitely a personal best for silver medal in the men's high jump uh, at 2.11, which like... Oof. I, I don't even know how tall that is. It's like six foot, probably five, six foot five, six foot six. Like that, like just something crazy. He definitely jumped over his height. Yeah. <laughs> um, Madison Mayer, who's the rookie, she also won silver in the women's high jump. Um, what else have we got? We had two medalists in the men's shot put. Uh, Travellini, another friend of the show. Yeah, Travellini was second in the yeah, 3,000 meters and yeah. Russell Pennock had a fifth. Um We've got, I'm, I'm so sorry for anyone that I missed. Oh, um, we won bronze in the men's triple jump. We won, I feel like I'm missing something. I'm so sorry for whoever I'm missing right now. It's all good. I mean, yeah. it's available on the Go Dives website, the entire recap. So, yes, we apologize for whoever we missed. But, yeah, just a, a great performance there. Let's turn our attention to the hardwood for a quick second. Um, Dino's men's and women's basketball were in action in Ottawa yeah. over the weekend for nationals. And yeah, if, we talked about it er, briefly about how we felt the women had a, a really good shot and probably should have beat Brock. Well, I don't want to say quarter. they should have beat Brock because I think Brock was playing really well. I think that our women definitely, are, it was a competitive game. Like it definitely wasn't like they, it, any other, like any day could have gone either way. Yeah. Um, especially in that later half of the game where the lead was flipping back and forth. Terrific job by, uh, by Taddy on Brock for pulling out some very clutch plays. But I thought our women responded really, really well in day two and three. Um, especially, like, you know, they came in, despite being the seven seed, like, they came in having been ranked so high nationally all year that I think losing that quarterfinal game would have been a disappointment. But I think that they, yeah, they came back and really took down Ryerson in a way that I thought was really indicative of them deciding that, you know what, we're not in the position that we want it to be in, but let's give this everything that we have. And at the end of the day, they do still have a lot of young players on their team. Um, first time at nationals for some of those players. And it's all about experience, right? Mm -hmm. It's a team that will continue to be strong for the next couple of years, for sure. I mean, I'm knowing Damien, it'll be strong for a long, long time. And yeah, it's just how, like, like what Nat was, like what we'll hear from Nat, <laughs> but... Sometimes nationals, it's it's about experience. It's about walking onto that court, feeling that pressure, and how do you respond? Yeah. Um, and on the men's side, didn't fare so well as they had. Well, they had a tough opening draw against. They, Carlton. Yeah, I think uh, this is another example of experience was really all that I think Dan knew he was going to get out of it. Yeah. Um, a, another roster where they're not graduating any players, which I think is massive for that team, considering how successful yeah. they have already been. And like, shout out to Brett Layton too. Oh gosh, Brett Layton, what a human being. <laughs> best, best player in the country. Best player in the country, all around good guy. <laughs> I do want to bring up something from that weekend though, and it's more from the broadcasting side of things. So um, just to give you a little context, I listened to Bill Simmons' podcast and in a segment he talks about um, the Monday Night Football commentator and just the critique there is that uh, Tessator is, is the commentator's name. He speaks at like a high volume and just so much intensity for every single play. 
even if it's just a menial seven yard grab over the middle. And he's just like, Jason Witten with a seven yard grab and the, and the Cowboys are just moving down the field. Like you got to save your intensity. You feel, Oh, and I just felt like whoever was calling the games this weekend on the CBC broadcast is just, they needed to dial it down a little bit, or at least have a little variance to so I believe, how they were I, delivering. I'm pretty, I know it was a U, it was a U Sports broadcast, I believe, like U Sports okay. live team. Right. Um, just CBC was the actual service that was being used to uh, that. That's my understanding. Perhaps I'm wrong. Okay. But, yeah. Um, Fair enough. But yeah, yeah, I would say it was just a little hard watching it because it was like. Taddy puts up a three and it doesn't go down. <laughs> Someone grabs a rebound around the horn. It goes, that doesn't go. And you, were just, you waiting for one of those like three plays Raptors, three point calls where it's like all the way from Calgary. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just, those are always great. <laughs> yeah. It was just, you know, three, three attempts, three shot attempts that come up empty. And it was probably the same intensity level as if, you know, you the Huskies had won the national championship, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I think, yeah. Anyway, it was just from a fan's perspective, it's just hard to consume at that point. But not saying I'm the best broadcast in the world either. I'm, you know, but I I will try to be cognizant of that this weekend. Um, I think one thing that I've noticed the more that I've started listening to different broadcasts and different analysts, play by plays, everything like that, less is always more. Yep. A lot of the time, as great as it is to hear fun bits about players or to hear color commentators and stuff like that, at the end of the day, like. If you're watching, it's not like you're on the radio listening to hockey, right? Where hockey, it's bam, bam, bam. You have to know where the puck is all the time and what the movements are. And it makes so much sense that the broadcast happens so fast. I sort of feel like with other sports, it's okay for there to be a bit of a, like not every play has to get called. Like sometimes it's more about what the play is turning into. Yeah. Yeah. And like yeah. I guess that's where the color comes in a little more, but And even for volleyball, it's easy to get caught up in saying too much. Oh, I always joke, volleyball should be like tennis. Yeah. Like when you're when you're play by playing for and back and forth and back yeah. and forth. Well, but it's it's but, like you're calling like the the action shot of yeah. the play. You're not calling like who it's going to and stuff like that. Right. Um and as someone who tried to do play by play for one volleyball for about four games, I recognize how hard it is. Yeah. Like it's such a hard skill to craft and it's so hard to learn that patience and to yeah. learn the flow that you need in order for it to sound like you're following along, but also paying it like you're ready for the big moment. Um, well, just the pace of play is unlike any other yeah. and the possession that each player has of the ball so quick. is yeah. a split second, right? Yeah. yeah. It's not like hockey where someone could go yeah, you like could, coast to coast. Yeah. yeah. Or dominate in a zone for a while or yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. So it's totally different. So yeah. I get it. Yeah. yeah. But Interesting. Yeah, but we'll see. Yeah, I guess. I mean, we got a how many? We got eight, eleven games. Eleven, yeah, eleven games to test this out this weekend. <laughs> yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be on tap for that. That'll be fun. What are you most excited about? Um, so I'm split here because I mean, the thing that I'm most excited about is just to see the community show up on Friday. Um, whether it be Dinos fans, Trinity fans, Calgary volleyball lovers, or just people that are in like people from the school, people that are just interested in being a part of the event. I'm really excited because of how much work has just gone into it, just to see, you know, the fruits of your labor. <laughs> um, that being said, the volleyball player and me and coach and everything, I'm so excited just to, for final Sunday, like for championship Sunday. That'll be really good. Yeah, I'm just, because uh, I know whatever teams are going to be there on Sunday, like 
you got to battle through a lot of really good teams. I mean, the Canada West bracket alone is massive. Like mm-hmm. whoever comes out of this Canada West bracket is my my guess would be the front runner. Really, for the gold yeah. medal game? Yeah, I think okay. so. Yep, fair enough to say. Like yeah. I think Trinity Western, Alberta. I think on any of the four teams, like Mount Royal or us, I think any of those Canada West teams, any given day, can take down anybody. Yep. So it's whoever it's whoever shows up on Sunday. That's right. Yeah. Because we've, we've taken Trinity to five. Oh, yeah. So. And I mean, as we were hearing on the Trinity broadcast on Saturday, like Trinity's not super excited to play us, which yeah. I, I would say makes sense. Like, I think that we match up really well. Um, we're really familiar with each other, too, just from lap, like previous seasons. I mean, Hillary Howe is having herself quite a season, I will say. Um, and I've been really impressed with Dora, too, Dora Conlotti. I think she's been ha- running a really great offense. Like the setter in me, that's the first thing that <laughs> the, I always go, notice. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sure now but, I would say the same thing. Yeah, though, right. So. Yeah. But I'm, yeah, I'm super excited yeah. to watch, like, just to watch volleyball. Yeah. Well, Corey White's <laughs> had a heck of a year, too. So, oh, Corey yeah. White's on a different level. She's just, yeah. like, she's fun to watch. She's so. seven feet in the air, and she's got a, just firecracker of an arm. But for those listening, we would really appreciate if you'd come down to the Jack this weekend, support your dinos, and if not, support you can volleyball. Always, yeah, support, yeah support. it's going to be the best women's volleyball you can watch in Canada right now. Yep. It'll be a good time. It'll be a good party. So we've got a really good interview coming up with Natalie Guernsey, head coach of women's volleyball here for the dinos, and Kate Pexman, who is having one last dance here in the jack before she calls it a career yeah i mean one of the most prolific dinos that we've had huge huge player in this program for the last six years now (laughs) and yeah taking her last moments as a dino on home court which i think is great and like we've got well we've got six seniors that'll be closing out their careers exactly that's right yeah on home court this year it'll be fun to watch i think that's it good job by you kate thank you very much Dinos have their three-point lead. Chev again with that sinking serve. Hexman unleashing another bomb. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> it tastes like you know the um, <laughs> the turkey and the like. Moisture's coming off of it. It tastes like I'm tasting that air. Oh God! Yikes! <laughs> it's not good though. I like turkey. I can smell that. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. you're gonna need gum. Well, on that note, Natalie Guernsey just uh, did her own version of Bean Boozled. <laughs> oh God, that's bad. Okay, <laughs> you're up. I, I really like the fat, the fat from the turkey. Oh. Stro- okay. <laughs> Oh, you can pick it? No, I was just moving it to see what it was. It says strawberry banana smoothie or dead fish. Are they all the worst version? No. No. Someone had, what was it, Max that had a good one? Someone had a good one. We've we've had our fair share. We've done it with all our athletes, so. Which one is it? Strawberry banana smoothie. Oh, oh, you were dreading it. Perfect. (laughs) Well, Thank mm. you for doing that. That was awesome. Um, Dinos Unfiltered this week, Jeremy Lee, Kate Finley, and Natalie Guernsey, and Kate Pexman. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Kates in this room. Yes. <laughs> um, I just wanted to start off. 
I saw a video the other day. It's really funny. Of these two volleyball teams had finished their match. They were exchanging pleasantries under the net, but they were tapping their feet. And then the caption said, doing coronavirus things. <laughs> wow. Have you... <laughs> My question to you... Oh, no. No. Do it's you just... have coronavirus? <laughs> <laughs> no, Kate. I asked the questions here. <laughs> no, in all your years of volleyball, have you concluded a match in any other way outside of the traditional low five under the net and an inauthentic good game for your opponent? Inauthentic. <laughs> I mean, the only difference is if you have friends on the other team, because then maybe you'll, like, give them a hug. Okay, so maybe authentic, but... But that's, like, one out of, like, 20, so... So you've tried giving a hug, like, with the net in the way? Well, we don't shake hands under the net. We shake it beside the net. We, like... We never do under the net. By the pool. Oh. I feel like the net thing is... Young? An international thing, maybe? Oh, younger turn? Okay. I've never thought about it, actually. Yeah, we... Yeah, international's at the net. Okay. We're by the pole. Never. <laughs> I've never done it any other way. That's it, hey? That's it. Never a bow? A bow. Nope. Maybe to okay. start the game mm. when I was in Japan. Really? Yeah, but not not to end it. But who do you bow towards? Your opponent or to the officials? Your opponent. Or? You line up on the end line and then bow. And then they whistle you in. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> well, I mean, it's figure of We're authority. I, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, obviously, you guys are joining us in uh, our ramp up to nationals coming up. And Kate Pexman had asked me a question earlier on Are you nervous for anything? And I said, Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Two things calling all 11 matches, and the second thing, French pronunciations. And half the team's hyphenated last names. <laughs> I don't understand. But so I'll return the favor and ask you guys, are you guys nervous for anything? I'm, yeah, I'm nervous for the end. Because hmm. I've been here for so long and, and experienced like so many things with this team that I think realizing that this is the last week is like, it's definitely hitting me yet um, in waves, like, a couple of days, like last week, I just cried before practice started because I was just like thinking about the last time I would do this, last time I would do that, like last time I'd get to practice in the jack, all those different things. So there's a lot of like emotion wrapped up in it. Did it hit you after seniors night though at all? A little bit? Oh, yeah. 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 But I think like it was kind of weird to feel like seniors night was the end, but then we weren't going to play for four weeks, and then we were going to have nationals at home. Like, that was all kind of uncharted territory for all of us. Oh, yeah. Um, to not be playing in playoffs and then get to go to nationals. So, yeah, it was all just kind of overwhelming. I, I thought you guys actually, like, I was expecting such a different uh, set of reactions at oh, senior, day, or senior day. Yeah. I kept thinking that there would be tears and everything, but you guys all, like, held it together pretty well. <laughs> At least maybe on the court. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of pictures being taken of you, so you really have to hold it together. And I found, like, I was way more, like, outwardly emotional when I was younger, and, like, people that were older than me, like, my friends were leaving. Um, like, I remember, like, when Brie, like, two years ago when Brie graduated, like, I was just a total mess, and she wasn't crying at all. And I was like, I don't get it. Why aren't you, why aren't you emotional? Like, why, why aren't you sad? 
Um, but now that I've like experienced the other side of it, I totally get it. Cause it's a totally different feeling. Like when you're sad that someone else is leaving versus you're sad that this whole part of your life is like coming to an end. Um, so yeah, I definitely have, now that I've, yeah, now that I've seen it from both sides, I, it's very different. Nat, is it hard for you to keep it in? Or is it like, because you're, you're kind of like essentially almost a mom figure to a lot of these kids that have grown up and now are leaving the nest. Yeah, I see them like my girls. And especially like Kate, I've known since she was 13 years old. That's a long time to know someone. <laughs> I actually was quite shocked that I was not a blubbering mess. And so was everybody else. But I cried a lot when I was writing the speeches. So I don't know if I just got out of my system or if I was just overwhelmed with everything that was happening. But yeah, I couldn't believe that I held it together. Last time when I was nine months pregnant, I just was a mess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that made yeah. like, I was. Chef, even Chef's last year, there's just one. But I think I cried a lot with her, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. almost like when there's one, it's just so, so like, focused. Yeah, there's such a big focal yeah. point on her. Yeah. Big player to lose to, yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. now that we got all the sappy stuff out of the way, <laughs> let's talk about nationals coming up. Um, first off, I wanted to get your thoughts on the matchups that were, that have been established. Personally, I think as more from the fan side of things, I'm like, eh, I've already seen the Canada West play each other multiple times and... You know, personally, I'd like to see you guys play a, an unknown team from out east or something like that. Yeah, I think that, well, at least that would be my opinion as well, is one of the great things about nationals is being able to play all the different styles from the different conferences. Because across the country, teams play very different styles of volleyball. Yeah, so totally. from that standpoint, I think I'm a little bit disappointed that there's not more inter or outside of conference matchups. Um, but we have very little control over it. Yeah, so exactly. What yeah, can you yeah. Do? <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. I think like it's definitely almost a little bit surprising. Like obviously we were pretty sure about who we were going to play, but then like the four five, the like six, three matchup, like those are all kind of surprising, I guess, just because in, in, for all of our past years, like there has been an emphasis put on not putting not matching up teams from the same conference and allowing people to play outside their conference and um but now that the ranking system has kind of changed this year um I think we're seeing that in the draw yeah and they actually took the rule that one stipulation out to avoid interconference matchups where possible that used to be in our regulations and they did take that out last year so the only stipulation, even though they use this ELO math system, is that um, if you're a conference champion, you have to be in the, ranked in the top six. And that's the only mm. guideline now where that would let them kind of flip teams around. Right. Outside of your quarterfinal matchup, which one are you most excited to see? UVA Mount Royal. I think yeah. they just battled two weeks ago, mm -hmm. and it, was it good came down right? to the yeah. third match. Yeah, I think it'll be a very exciting match. Yeah. And it's also, is it, it's after us on Friday? Mm -hmm. So it's like the late match. Yeah. They'll already have been three. Like, they'll know if they win who they're going to play. Mm -hmm. um, so that always kind of, you try not to let it affect you as an athlete. Like, if someone plays a semifinal before you and gets into the final and sure. then you're playing your own semifinal and, and you know who you would have to play to win kind of thing, that always heightens the anticipation a little bit more. Um, so I think that'll be interesting too. That being said, are, did you prefer playing in that 6 p.m. slot or would you have wanted to play earlier so that you can kind of dictate what kind of what's going on or 
I think for us, like we're used to playing at 6 p.m. on a Friday, yeah. and Jack. Like, and yeah. I especially like for a home court advantage. Like, I think you got to do all the things you can to play into that. Um, you I mean, don't mess with the routine then, right? Yeah, like yeah. I've been playing at six o'clock on a Friday in the Jack for six years, so <laughs> <laughs> I know how to do it. You just know where you're supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. I know what happens at four fifteen. I know what happens at two. Like I got the whole day. I never thought about that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, because if you played at one, that would really screw things yeah, up, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Nat? Do you care? No, I don't. But I do like the familiarity of six p.m. I really like that. I like that. Um, we're kind of in the middle. We know a little bit of what's happened, but we'll be done and I'll get to just sit and watch whoever we're going to cross over against and take it all in. So I like that part of it, that our fate's kind of sealed and then I can prepare for the next day. So for Nationals 2020, different circumstances than the previous two Nationals. And, you know, I mean, obviously we're hosting this year, but also at a lower seed, whereas in other years, you know, we were at a higher seed. Is pressure the same or different this time around? I mean, I can't really speak for last year because I wasn't playing. Um, but definitely, like, in my fourth year, when we were ranked first going into nationals, yeah. um, and we matched up with the host, Laval. Yeah, that's right, in Quebec City. In the there. quarters. Um, there was, like, a different level of expectation. Um, but I think pressure is just something that you place upon yourself, and I don't think that any sort of like outside influence should have any impact on like how you feel think like it's all about your own perception and what you think people are expecting of you. Um, so I think like it gives us a little bit more freedom to be the eighth seed and say like, we're the underdogs, like no one expects us to win. People don't expect us to be Trinity. Um, and that's kind of like an empowering place to be well it's nice you kind of have this like what's the worst thing that's going to happen right like mm. exactly yeah there's definitely way less external pressure i mm. would say but i still think our group wants to be successful and we want to play our best and so that comes with a level of like expectation of ourselves going into the weekend and i mean the media would like to hype up the top seeds and stuff like that but look at ubc last year you know they were the eighth seed and went and knocked out number one and that's why we play like we want to be in a national final we are gonna have to beat everyone like we're gonna have to beat someone three times right to yep. get there and so it doesn't really matter where we have to start to get there yep just need three good games mm -hmm. and ubc showed that to my point yeah, yeah to your point yeah exactly yeah and it was it's funny it, listening to the broadcast the trinity western broadcast in that canada west final on saturday they did not seem super enthusiastic about being matched up <laughs> against us <laughs> yeah actually Ryan Hofer's I've seen him multiple times throughout our season um not this semester but all through first semester and he's made multiple comments to me that he um feels sorry for whoever has to be matched up to us in the first round because <laughs> he, he knows what our group then. is capable of <laughs> yeah. and yeah so it's just interesting that he's <laughs> he's got us <laughs> so my memory kind of fails me at this point Nat, can you run me through two two years ago in Quebec City um, you actually weren't there due to the birth of your child mm -hmm. Levi and what was the setup like for Nat to still somehow be part of nationals like <laughs> I don't know I don't know if I got I know I'm I'm just going back in the vault here but I'm just like <laughs> I don't even know if I got the full story so yeah. I mean we tried our hardest to set it up so that I could be involved still but right. 
it was definitely not a perfect system. And in a lot of ways, um, like were you I on was an iPad? Really removed. No, I had one of our assistant coaches had a phone. So okay. Penny was holding her iPhone and uh. I was texting her throughout the match um, with adjustments or just things that I was sure, seeing. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. But that was a very flawed process because I remember going like, you know, six, seven, eight points without hearing anything because the reception was so bad in there. And then I tried calling because our agreement was that if I felt like I really needed to talk to somebody and they needed to hear my voice that I would call in, but calls were being dropped. So yeah, if, I mean, ideally I was going to be connected over the phone, right, but okay. in reality yeah. that didn't happen. Right. Um, I was able to do a FaceTime for the pregame before our bronze medal Yeah. with the team and I led the pregame um, meeting, team meeting, um, and that was the first time I'd seen the girls' faces since Tuesday mm. when I sent them off to the, on the plane. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just wanted to bring that up because it was, that's such a unique experience. I don't so think I'll... It was really, yeah. A lot of emotions. It was, it was awful. very, very hard to play. And, like, I think, obviously, like, it varies about, like, people who were playing, um, two years ago, like how much they were dependent on Nat in the middle of a game. Um, but for me, like I was very dependent on that, mm-hmm. um, in the middle of the game and I wasn't like playing well, I wasn't having a good time. <laughs> Nothing was really going that well for me. Um, like you couldn't even sneak a glance to the bench, right? Cause she's not there. Right. Or yeah. yeah. And so like, like me and Nat like go back and forth so much and, and especially when I was, um, playing like left side like when I was in a different role than I am now like um there was always just like if I had doubts or if I was frustrated or like not knew me and knew how to read me really well and always knew like the right thing to say um so yeah I just felt like very isolated which was very Mm. like very hard to feel yeah because you're not you know like you're surrounded by your team and and everyone who's normally there is there except for one person but it makes a huge impact I know that's when I kept calling in and calling in because I remember watching and I knew I knew what she needed to hear. I knew what needed to be said and I couldn't I couldn't reach out to her and give her what I felt was going to help in that moment and maybe turn turn her how she was feeling about her performance. But anyways, just not an ideal situation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Final couple questions around nationals before we move on, but. You guys are now entering your third consecutive national championship. And what can you take away from those first two that, you know, has been helpful for you guys now in preparation for the third? I think one of the things (laughs) we talk about... (laughs) Sorry, someone's (laughs) waving at me. (laughs) Um, One of the things we talk about a lot um, in terms of gaining experience from nationals is just, like, having your season be four to five weeks longer um, than it would be if you were done right after regular season. Like it's the difference between being done middle of February and being done at like middle of March, middle of March. So even though it doesn't seem like a lot, like that four weeks of training, whether you're a starter or a first year, um, it like just allows you to get more time practicing with the team, more reps, more skill development. Um, and that really plays into, us getting better as a as a group, and I think like we've noticed that the last couple of years from from going to nationals, um, yeah, and it's just like a bit of a sense that like we belong there. Whereas I think like the first year we went, um, and we like the first <laughs> we hadn't gone since 
2005 or something and we were ranked first like and we were making all this history and um and it was a really big deal so to feel like now for like three like you said like three consecutive years to be going and and yeah we didn't qualify this year but what we did in the past like two or three years has allowed us to host and allowed us to be in that position so we just kind of qualified in a different way. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah, you just you already have the confidence. Like, you, even if you didn't qualify necessarily this year, like you know that you have earned. You know that you should be there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So those things for sure have helped from nationals. Yeah, and I always just think. I mean, you don't know what nationals feels like and looks like, and you don't know all the like intangible factors till you're actually there. Like it's one thing to sit in the stands and watch nationals happening, but as an athlete, you just have to walk through it and feel the sense of excitement, feel the pressure that people put on you, feel um, just that this could be it. Like this Mm. could be my last point that I play and everything that you've worked towards all season is on the line. That's That's an elevated, level of intensity really and I just don't think you can learn it until you're there and I remember when I was an athlete like the program kind of had a similar story where they were building to become competitive on the national stage but in t- before we won a national championship we were number one ranked lost a quarter final like got smoked and that happened two times in a row and then we learned how to win a quarter final at nationals and it's just the more you're there the more comfortable you get with just that level of excitement and pressure and importance. It's an important tournament. From an event perspective, like just from us planning the event, I mean, we've been planning it since, realistically, since we got the bid, but (laughs) we've been Mm -hmm. in meetings and been running through all of the different ways that you improve a volleyball tournament so that it feels like nationals. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly that, right? Where it is such an important tournament and it makes all of the event planning stages so important because you're like how do I make this so apparent to the athletes and the coaches that are coming all this way even if you're playing your you know down the road neighbor Mm -hmm. like Toronto and Brock (laughs) (laughs) but it's it shouldn't feel like the OUA final for those players it should feel like they're at nationals and so Mm -hmm. whether it's the sort of the feeling they get when they arrive and they see banners at the airport or they mm-hmm. see banners at the hotel or they walk on campus and all of a sudden there's posters plastered everywhere and you walk into the tournament and there's like there's pipe and drape everywhere like it you feel like it's a production mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's I, like I like that about nationals it should feel that way and yeah. I mean for you guys this is now year three that you're going to be there and like mm-hmm. Yeah, we want like it should be a show for you guys. <laughs> now you've been uh, at nationals as a player as well. Mm-hmm. Does it feel any different, like nationals now as a coach, and then I guess even you know fears removed, um, but then as a player as well? Like, is it like to Kate's point of like, is it more of a production nowadays, or? Hmm. I'd say it? the actual tournament itself is very similar okay. in terms of setup and what's expected of the hosts, and yeah, I know that side of it looks and feels the exact same right. as when I was an athlete. Right, but just the. Style of play is different and yeah, potentially I mean, even? Athletes are getting better and better and stronger yeah. and stronger. And so the game's just evolving. So that part of it's different. But right. no, it's always been a really huge event. And um, you could tell you were at a championship. There was something that set it apart from a regular yeah. match. And that, that's the same, actually, as even when I played 18 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, Kate, like, I just wanted to get back to you for a second here. Mm -hmm. You had talked about it just a little bit ago about how you're playing a different position than you um, have normally played in the past. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it is a little different seeing you in a libero jersey <laughs> uh, than the normal number one Kate Pexman jersey. But um, A, I just want to ask you why you made the decision to come back this year as opposed to maybe taking another year off and maybe coming back when, you know, Hannah's healthy again and you still have another year of Lexi, et cetera, and all that stuff. But, um, you know, why this year? And then also how has that adjustment to, you know, the libero position been for you? Oh, man. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know, I previously tore my ACL when I was 14 years old. Um, I got it surgically repaired. Um, and I was only able to do that because I was done growing at 14. Like I was as tall as I am now back then. Wow. Um, <laughs> so that was um, the first time. And then I was relatively healthy for eight years. Like I had other injuries. I broke an ankle. I broke a wrist. I broke a finger. Um, had many other strange <laughs> abnormal injuries. <laughs> Um, that I've never met anyone else who had injuries such as those, and my doctor made sure to tell me that. But um, in terms of, like, <laughs> serious injuries such as that, my knee was healthy for eight years. I didn't really have any pain with it, um, so I was very lucky in that sense. Um, and when I did it the second time, it was definitely, like, out of the blue, unexpected. Um, and it was actually much more severe than when I'd done it the first time, so more things were torn, more things were damaged. Um, and just being like 22 instead of 14, like mm. my body was significantly older and things hurt a lot more and I wasn't as easily able to heal. Um, so anyways, I got it surgically repaired again using a different ligament. Um, and initially before I had the surgery, um, I was planning on coming back and, and jumping and playing left side. Um, and then I had the surgery and went through those first two weeks of basically like being in pain for 24 hours a day, not being able to move, not being able to put weight on anything. And I was doing it when I was studying for finals and trying to graduate. Um, so that was hard too. Um, but, and so obviously like I spend a lot of time thinking about what, if I would come back at all, if I'd come back this year, if I'd come back next year, um, if I did come back, what it would look like. And I ran through all the scenarios in my head and I talked through them with my parents and with Nat and with my doctors, um, and basically came to the decision that I needed to make a choice in order for me to play again. I needed to make a choice that would make me feel safer, um, in order to allow myself to risk again. Cause that was the biggest thing for me was being able to like, I when I play like I just go for it a hundred percent and I don't hold back and and a lot of times that is why I get injured but it, a, a lot of times it's also like why I'm successful um so I knew that like that's a part of me that I can't really change um so I needed to have some sort of like exterior constraint upon me that would create that sense of like safety and security and I knew would make me feel safer um and I knew would not only make me feel safer but actually would keep you safer, would yeah. be right. safer. Yeah. um so that was the decision I came to and and there were a whole bunch of things that went into it like 
just where I am with school and I've already redshirted a year. So <laughs> if I did come back next year, that would be seven years of being here. And, and I like, I will be eligible next year. Like I'll still be in school. Um, but I just decided like it felt right for me to finish this year. It felt right for me to play lib. It felt right for me to have nationals at home as like my final send off. Send off. Yeah. Send off. Yeah. Um, and I also felt like, Volleyball for me, like, it's always been a big part of my life, but it's never been, like, the biggest part of my life. And I knew that I didn't want to play pro, and I knew that I didn't want to play after university. Um, and I'd already been, like, pretty successful, and I checked a lot of things off my, like, volleyball to-do list. Um, like, understatement. <laughs> <laughs> and so that wasn't really a factor, like, I didn't think I, I didn't feel like, and I still don't feel like I have anything to prove to anybody. Like mm -hmm. I'm really confident in my own skills and my own abilities. And I don't really need anyone to like give me awards. Like that's not gonna, <laughs> that's not gonna have any effect. Um, so yeah, all those things were kind of came together in like a, in a puzzle to tell me that I was going to finish this year. I was going to play live. I wasn't going to play left side again. And and obviously that was a hard decision to come to, and there totally. were a lot of, a lot of tears and a lot of, like, trying to realize that that game that I played against UBC, like, that was the best game of volleyball I was ever going to play, and to come to that realization after the fact is like very challenging because there's nothing you can do. It's, there's like you can't go back in time and like appreciate it more or like remember everything more like you just kind of realize like, okay, that was it, I guess. Cause whatever I do as a lib, it's whether or not I play good, it's not going to be the same um, feeling as it was when I was a left side. So um, yeah, it was definitely an emotional couple months. And, and I talked with Nat and, and she kind of said like, I think this is the right decision for you as well. And, um, and I think like, Obviously, in an ideal world, I would be playing left side right now, and I'd be healthy, and I wouldn't have any knee pain, but it's not an ideal I world. Know. I'm not going to lie. I miss that. I'm not <laughs> going to lie. So I, I think, Jeremy, we were on the broadcast, actually, the game, that UBC game. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember, yeah, remember, I'm not sure not as well as the two of you do, <laughs> but I definitely remember that moment. Yeah. Um, and I, it's funny, at the beginning of the season, when there was conversations of whether or not you were coming back this year, and there were sort of internal conversations among the dino staff of like you know kate paxman's not back until you until you watch her like smoke it down the line <laughs> but the more that i've just watched you play this year and as a libero i really feel as though like your role as a leader on the team has completely transformed this year and like the calming presence that you have on the court like you you are back in so many so many beneficial mm -hmm. ways to your teammates Thanks. And you don't need to smoke it down the line. To, to, <laughs> like, to have that presence, though. Like, mm -hmm. You just need to be someone who players feel good being around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like Thanks back so what we were talking about, you not having Nat in Laval. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the first, the first half of the season was like the team not having Kate. Mm -hmm. It was that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So it was just, yeah, it was good to have you back. Yeah, it's good to um, be back. Do yeah. you get the itch? To jump, like how often does that? Oh, constantly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like pipe, like there. <laughs> we play this drill in warm up called five on five, which is not actually five on five, but we 
our like fifth years invented it like three years ago and it's basically is like six on six but you try to make everything tempo and you play totally the wrong defensive in the wrong defensive spots and we we have this like defensive system called magenta (laughs) right and everyone everyone plays every position everyone sets like you just try to run as much tempo as you can and there are days when I have to like not allow myself to play that because like if I get set and I'm in the front row like it's so hard for me not to jump and not to hit it um and I've like caught myself doing it a couple times like obviously not like full jumping or full hitting but like I'll be out I'll be off the ground all of a sudden and I'm just like oh my god Kate who made that choice get back on the ground just put ankle weights on so then I'm like yeah sub I need to get out of here just too, in, too into the game tempting yeah. It's the one so that Kennedy tempting. was talking about in our first interview, where she was mm. saying, she was like, every now and then I get the hot hand, and people just set me. <laughs> right. So it's her only time to hit, too. And then she tries to convince me to play her as a left side. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Small girls got to make a case for themselves. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, how easy was it for you to prepare for this season, Nat, knowing, as we had talked about with Kate, you know, that she was coming back, but at a different position, and like... You know, tactically, was it easy f- to prepare? I wouldn't say easy, right? but I took a much different approach than I guess I would typically take um, because I, could ha- I felt like I could have a much longer view of the season. You know, when you don't know you're going to be at Nationals, we have to, I have to make sure that the team's ready to peak come playoffs. Right, yeah. Because we're not guaranteed to play those extra five weeks, right? Yeah, like yeah. our season's on the line right away. Um, and so I just felt like I could be a little bit more patient in how we trained and just our perspective on the whole season and developing players. Like you don't often, I feel like I don't have that luxury very often. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Especially in Can West where every weekend literally can make or break your record for playoffs. So, um, I don't think it was easy, but it definitely, I had a different mindset going into this year. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So kind of final question before we get into some fun stuff. And I want to hand the mic over to Kate. Um, Which one? <laughs> good, good one. Kate Pexman, obviously. We've heard enough from Kate Finley. Um, you know, as a fifth year, you know, you've gone through senior, senior night. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to give you a chance to respond and just, you know, give you this platform to express, like, any sort of gratitude or, like, you know, thoughts on – any parting thoughts on being – uh, a dino and a student athlete and oh god how long have you got <laughs> well i don't know I'll give you a couple minutes just like um what like what what's bursting your heart yeah i don't even know where to start i mean like playing in the dinos starting playing in the dinos club like i played five years of club volleyball there all through junior high and high school and being a dino was like very like ingrained in me Um, and being coached by like really successful females who'd played here um, and were awesome people as well as athletes and then getting the chance to come here and having it all work out with school and like my dream program was here and and I got to be part of this team that like grew and I got to see (laughs) the like the good the bad and the ugly and I was like really enriched as a part of that um And yeah, I mean, like when I first got here, like, and I I say this to people and they don't believe me, but honestly, I wasn't like supposed to be a starter because there was a person who I, who doesn't need to be named, but who quit the team like in August and she was 
the person that I replaced basically. Mm. So like even coming in here, I didn't think I would be a starter. I didn't think I would have the role that I did have or be as successful as I have been. Um, and then you end up being the Tom Brady of Calgary <laughs> Dinos, just right. the greatest of all time. <laughs> That's how it happens. <laughs> but yeah, being able to like be really successful on the team and also like have my success like really valued in school as well has been just like, I, like so ideal. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing I would change about the last six years. Like obviously things have gone right and things really haven't gone right at some points. Um, but I think they all just like, you know, make you a better person. And that sounds so cliche, but it's so true. Like when I came here, I was 17 and like, I really didn't know anything. (laughs) I didn't know like how to be a successful student. I didn't know how to like take care of my body. I didn't know like how to form like meaningful relationships and all those things I've been able to learn while being on this team and, and be the, the biggest thing for me is like, I've been able to like, be a part of growing this team and like making it what it is. And when I first got here in my first year, like if you told me we'd be hosting nationals, like for me to finish on, like I would have said no way, like Like, there's no way I would have believed that. And, and even like looking back on it, like every year I'd had, I had goals like making playoffs and winning a playoff game and making it to um, like winning a Can West medal and making it to nationals. And those were all things that got accomplished. And a lot of people like, can't say that and don't have that opportunity to be a part of and yeah it's just been it's been so perfect nice do you have so humble right she's so humble because you know yeah and just how like her contributions to making the program where it is today I just that's her and she's humble but I mean like I said, I've known her since she was 13, and I saw that greatness in her. And so when she made the commitment to U of C, I just knew that together we could work together to turn the program around to where I'd always envisioned it mm. to go. And, um, yeah, Kate is such a huge part of that, and not just because of her playing skills, but because of who she is as a person and the culture that our team now has, like academically and taking care of each other and having meaningful relationships. And um, yeah, we just, you can't do, build that kind of culture without the right people. And so I'm not surprised by her successes. I'm so proud of them, but um, I could always see that in her and I'm so glad it happened for her and the program. First of all, Kate, do you have any plans after this of coaching? Like, is that, like, are you hoping to, I'm um, sure you've been asked this already, but <laughs> not officially, but, um, I did say after we came back from San Diego, I said, Nat, if you take me on a trip like that every year, I will help coach. <laughs> Commitment. Yeah. You're like, you heard it. You're he is committed. <laughs> no, the reason that I ask, um, so Nat, like running probably one of the most successful, like predominantly well, all women's high performance clubs, um, you've clearly developed very, very strong female athletes. But I love, the biggest thing for me that I love about the Dinos Club is the focus on female coaching. And so we had talked about it earlier in this where you were saying that you were able to watch a video and know what you needed to say. Like you knew just from watching it what you needed to say to a player. So when it comes to coaching women in particular, do you think that... Like, how important do you think that sports psychology role is and in building strong female athletes? And, like, it's obviously something that you have figured out and are working, I'm sure, still getting better at all the time, but, like, 
it's yeah, clearly I a strong say I figured it out but it's but. A, it's a strong piece of <laughs> of why your team is successful and yeah I think it's so key I mean I just remember the confidence that a coach could instill in me as a player by just saying the right thing or giving me the right look and really connecting with me as an individual person mm -hmm. and so I just believe that it's the difference maker that what's happening in a player's mind is really what takes you to the next level because yeah. most players are pretty very skilled at this level yeah. but what's happening in their heads and I love to be part of that and to discover that. Yeah. Like I said, I'm far from perfect at it, um, but I, I love trying to figure it out. And is that something that you think is incredibly valuable for the, like the female coaches that are coming in with dinos? Like obviously you need to be technically strong, but at the end of the day, volleyball, I mean, it's a game of mistakes, right? It's how do you build these people up so that when a mistake happens, they know that it's part of the game and that, I mean, they're gonna happen in life too, right? Like, yeah, how, absolutely, yeah. and that's why we, we focus on bringing in female coaches because they can be role models to these athletes. Yeah. They know where they've been, they understand what it feels like, and they can connect with them on that letter level and help them to understand that it, it's going to be okay <laughs> and uh, that they can model that too in their own lives just by how they coach and, and live. Awesome. And so just one last, I guess, on that note for both of you, lots of female athletes coming up. The other day was International Women's Day and International Women in Sport just any key like mementos that you want to send out to female athletes that are getting into that high performance level, like just little tidbits of advice that you wish someone had told you say 10, 15 years ago. <laughs> when I was eight. Yeah. Uh, okay, <laughs> five years ago. <laughs> um, no, I would just say like to try and seek out people who have been through what you want to go through. Hmm. Um, because like, Talking about the Dinos Club, like my first year there, when I was 13, um, I was coached by a woman called Amanda Moppet, who had been an incredibly talented left side at UFC, had won a lot of the same awards that I've won now. Like, um, and she always had this confidence in me and believed in me and like saw that I had potential and um, and really like wanted these things for me. And I would say like that relationship was so huge for me and just like showing me the kind of person that I could become and the kind of things that I could do if I worked really hard and yeah like it's just cool following in someone else's footsteps and I it's also obviously it's also important to like blaze your own trail and do your own things um but I think if you have that opportunity to like get to learn from someone who's done the things that you that you really want to do I think that's so valuable awesome quick shout out to Amanda Moppet Beach who is yeah, still good right now still in, good. in one ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, still well, very good. We, she came to our um she came to our we scrimmaged like her and her old old balls team mm -hmm. last week. Um and it's even things like we were obviously playing on opposite sides of the net to each other and like I got I came in and like the first ball she hit I dug and I was like totally out of position but I just like knew where she was gonna hit it because like I know her so well. And she just yells across the net at me. She's like, how the heck did you know where that was going? <laughs> what have I done? I was like, you taught me everything I know. <laughs> she did. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I guess I would just say, don't be afraid to fail. And I think there's so many, I just see it more prevalent that young women are trying so hard to be perfect, perfect at everything. And 
I really believe that it's only when you're not afraid to fail, you take risks, and then if you do fail, you just learn from it. That's where your biggest growth happens. So I would just um, tell girls to embrace imperfection and, and take the risks. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta accept it, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. 67% awesome. of the game is played imperfectly. Yeah. Mm. No one would it. win otherwise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of my favorite sayings is sometimes you win, sometimes you learn, right? That's right. <laughs> Let's move on to some fun stuff and then we're a uh, press, little press for time here. So I want to start off with any funny travel stories from this past season while you guys were on the road. This past season. Well, I didn't travel for a semester. Mm-hmm. So. Maybe it's a question for now. There is a really funny one that has like, it involves Brie, but that was like, that was like two years ago, three years ago. Sure. I'll accept that. Okay. So we were driving, <laughs> we were driving on a bus trip to must have been to Sask or Regina and Brie loves to like get up and like do karaoke on the mic and dance and loves to get other people to do karaoke anyways she was dancing in the aisles Beth had her feet out on a cooler because like Beth's got to take care of her knees (laughs) obviously and so she had her feet out in the aisle and Brie was like behind her and then the bus driver slammed on the brakes and Brie literally just like did a cartwheel in the aisle, but like obviously not on purpose, but she fell over the top of the car, (laughs) like onto her head. And like all of a sudden I was like just watching and her like all of a sudden her head was at one point like where it should be. And then all of a sudden her feet were where her head was used to be. (laughs) And uh, yeah, she didn't suffer any injuries, but just a little, little hurt to the, uh, to the pride. That was not the torn PCL, right? (laughs) Oh, that happened in game. Uh, Karaoke was banned for the rest of the year. Yeah, exactly, right? Bus driver was like, why are you out of your seats? Speaking of karaoke, who is kind of banned from using the aux cord in the locker room? We asked this question to the boys, but is there someone who's not allowed to pick the music? (laughs) Well, there's only a couple of people who ever do. Mm, Like, they won't give it up. Yeah. But, like, they're good, so there's no need to replace them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Was Lexi one of them? (laughs) No. No. It's Kennedy and Hannah. Okay. Yeah, it's always Hannah that gives them. Sometimes Beth, right? Yeah. Not as much anymore. Yeah, Yeah. Kennedy and Hannah are are pretty strong. Between them, they have a very broad (laughs) musical genre. (laughs) So. I believe that. (laughs) Hannah's normally the one that gives us her phone when we're doing warm-ups. Right, 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 right. Worst pregame meal you've had. This is my, and one of my favorite stories. Um, we know the exact uh, <laughs> You guys might have different answers, but one of my favorite stories, I did a podcast uh. with Kate and Pexman, not Finley, <laughs> just, just to clarify. <laughs> but uh, you're telling me the story about how you guys were eating Crave Cupcakes oh, before, yeah. like, a playoff mm-hmm. game. Yeah, Quarters. before our first, when against we first UBCO, made right? playoffs against UBCO, <laughs> we had Crave Cupcakes before every game. I actually suggested that we do that this year. You did, because you felt, you played great, so. <laughs> I played pretty good. <laughs> like, sugar was great. I don't know about anyone else. As long as the, the sugar rush happens, or the, the, the fall happens after the game, yeah. right? That's yeah. all that matters. Exactly. <laughs> Crave Cupcakes got to win in three. Very powerful. <laughs> um, no, the worst pre You want to say it at the same time? Which location? <laughs> what, Montana's and Brandon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Brandon, being the small town that it is, is has some limited like food options, <laughs> and it was especially even more limited five years ago when I went there in my first year, 
and they just gotten an airport. So that was a big deal. And the only restaurant that we could find to go to for a pregame meal was Montana's and nothing against Montana's if you're listening, (laughs) but like having ribs and like a whole lot of meat before a game was like the worst idea we've ever had. And like, I'm not kidding. Like this might be TMI, but during warm up, like people were running in and out of the gym to go to the bathroom. Like, I'm not kidding. At one point there was like eight of us left on the court and we were like, where is everyone? And there was like, they were all in the bathroom, like doing what they needed to do. Yeah. It was awful. Montana's like, it is not an option. No, we've not, we've, we've never gone back. To no. any Montana's. Any no. Montana's, which just brings up a really bad memory. <laughs> well, it's understandably PTSD. so. Yeah, exactly. It's in that. It tasted terrible. great in the moment. Yeah, in oh, the moment. It's so good going down. Yeah, yeah absolutely. About oh, 20 boy. minutes later, it was not not so good. <laughs> Nat, what's your funniest recruiting story? I don't. Can we share this or no? I don't even know. I have a funny email. This person never ended up on the team. Yeah, that's fine. But I get emails all the time from people that want to oh, be recruited. Okay. <laughs> and so my rule is that I will always write somebody back and okay. and kind of give them the lowdown. Yes, I have a spot for you. Or no, thank you very much. Right. Um, so anyways, this was someone who hadn't really specified their position and said, you know, she'd be really beneficial to our team. So I wrote her back and said, well, what position are you and where do you play? And uh, she said, well, she wrote me back and said, well, I am really good at digging tips. <laughs> oh, my God. I think I could really help you. And so I wrote her back and I said, That's pretty funny because we're so not much. good at digging <laughs> tips. <laughs> I said, we're pretty set for people that could dig tips. Best of luck in your future. Maybe but she I always thought all that one was <laughs> hilarious. Seriously. She watched all our footage. She was like, these guys need someone who can dig tips. <laughs> That honestly kind of hurts because it's yeah. so accurate. Because <laughs> we hit at each other yeah. all day. Yeah, like I remember when I was in my first year, we at this we went to Brandon, same trip as Montana's, and we actually they had served pass before us in the morning, and we went in after them, and they'd left their scouting sheet on the on the chairs like by accident they probably weren't supposed to do that because it was about us so we were just like sitting there reading about us like reading their scouting report about us and all it said like everyone most people had like likes to hit cross has a good serve not a good passer x y z whatever it is and all it said on mine was number one does not tip (laughs) (laughs) and then i was like okay okay i can use that challenge literally tipped more that game than i have in my entire life (laughs) my cape Aren't you hitting the ball? Yeah. Like, Matt, they're not prepared for this. I know it. That's right. They're probably not prepared for the cannon either, but yeah, what are you going to do? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kate, I need to ask you about your favorite joke. <gasps> and it involves muffins? Yeah, it does not involve muffins. How do you know about it? I don't know. We have fan mail that comes in. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you want me to tell it? Yes, please. I need to be on the next <clears> one on this. So... This joke goes way back. It, I learned it in high school when I was injured from my first knee and I was like helping be an assistant coach and, and sometimes you just need to lighten the mood. So I learned this joke that I think is really funny, but it also kind of like hinges on its delivery. So if someone like tries to retell it, it's often like not received that well because it's not that funny if you don't tell it right. But anyways, here's the joke. So there's two muffins sitting in an oven and one muffin says, oh, my God, it is so hot in here. And the other muffin says, oh, my God, a talking muffin. 
Yes, got some laughs. Okay. Jeremy's laughing so hard he can't even speak right now. I'm a dad now, so anything's funny to me. <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my go-to joke. <laughs> um, there's a story in here about potentially. I, um, this is not um, authenticated, okay. but rumor mill. <laughs> yeah, we have a we love one of your rumors. very one of your very first serves. You bounce the ball off your foot. Yeah. Mm. Is that? That's not a rumor, that's, unfortunately. That's, was that your first serve ever in U Sports? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why we got started in that rotation. Thanks, thanks, Nat, for that. <laughs> but it was like our first league game at home. I had to serve first in my first year. And I go back there and they toss me the ball and I catch it, luckily. And then I turn towards the court and I try to bounce it. And like the whistle is, had already been blown. And I bounce it off my foot and it rolls straight at Nat. And then. <laughs> And I'm just, like, standing there, like, terrified. And I'm, like, he's going to blow me on eight seconds. Like, it's, I, I don't have the ball anymore. So I, like, rush off after it. Nat passes it back to me. I run back, like, just behind the line. And just, like, pop, like, the easiest <laughs> serve ever just over the net. Luckily, it goes in. I'm pretty sure we lost the point. So I didn't have to serve again. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that was my first serve ever. Nat, for you, uh... This person wrote in and said, in your first year, the crowd started chanting because you wore a leather jacket. <laughs> Are true. we going to see the appearance that is of, true. The, of the leather jacket at Nationals? I have <gasps> since donated that leather jacket. Come on. Nationals can find you immediately after. Come on. <laughs> I feel like we could find you one. I feel like we could, too. Yeah, yeah. just ask Tom Sora. He's got one. <laughs> it was in Manitoba. It was U of M. It was at U of M. It was opening weekend of regular season. Right after they'd won nationals. They won nationals. It was their banner-raising night. The heat stopped working. It was freezing. I actually, like, everyone city. on the bench had their jackets and yeah. mittens and toques on. It was freezing in there. So I had my scarf and my black leather jacket. <laughs> and they just kept chanting, leather jacket, leather jacket. But did you guys win? We did. We did. There you go. Bring out a leather jacket. I want to know. Yeah, it was our first like, big upset. Yeah. How, how big of a power move would that be <laughs> when you go across the court to shake Ryan Hofer's hand saying yeah. good game in a leather jacket? <laughs> Aviators too, maybe? Just to saying. Yeah. I'm, I'm giving if there's an opportunity, opportunity, this weekend is the opportunity. Is, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No time like the present. Um, <laughs> do you want to talk about the taco hit? What is a taco hit? Oh, a taco? It's like you, when you dig it overhand, but you don't set it. You like... Have your hands together. Did you coin that? No. No, I just oh. use it more than I should. <laughs> and I've honestly been using it more and more as the season goes on. At least three times of practice for the last 10 days. Yeah. <laughs> but it honestly often works quite well. Yeah. It's kind like, of like... Are we doing like the fo- like hands together or like... No, like your hands are kind of open. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh. But it's, it's mostly used in beach yeah. because you can't set um, a first contact in beach. So... I feel like they look so impressive when they, especially if it's like a hard driven ball. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like if th- something comes at my face, I'm just gonna do that. Protect, She's protect money maker. She's trying to put it over to the <laughs> yeah, other side. Yeah, five on five. I kill. often, I often go over on one. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why not? Does she do the taco hit more or use her foot more to her save a ball? Taco for sure. For Kate, yeah, taco for sure. There yeah. was a string of 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 weeks in my fourth year when I did use my feet a lot. Yeah. 
but it was I like don't, addicting, I don't right? do that anymore. It's yeah. addicting. Yeah, and Brie like, was a big instigator. Yeah, so. I know. Bad influence. Bad influence. <laughs> Brie's totally getting sewered on this <laughs> podcast. Is. I love her. Uh, final story here. Um, it's a late request, actually, from Trinity. And she was saying that... I assume the in, player. <laughs> yeah, Trinity Selecki. Shout out to her. First game... Um, in your first game back, Pex, mm-hmm. your, her foot got stuck in your knee brace? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, Did like, I miss something here? Like, no, this was in Winnipeg, wasn't it? Then, yeah, U of M. U of M. And okay. I was, all I was trying to do was cover for her. And, I, and she, like, is, has really long limbs. You probably noticed. Her arms are, like, down to her knees. And, <laughs> <laughs> but I was trying to cover for her. I wasn't, like super comfortable yet obviously and I had gotten like a little too close so when she went to like take off her foot like she her basically like her shoe got caught in the hinge of my knee brace and like spun me around like to like almost 360 degrees and I like obviously fell down she fell down like she didn't hit the ball (laughs) it was all a big a big like issue but it was so funny because I was just like, okay, apparently I need to give you a little bit more space because <laughs> I was just a little bit too eager to cover. So to cover the tips. Yeah, I was just trying. I was just trying to make sure that you didn't get blocked. <laughs> Were you worried we about find that for lighter side? But yeah, if something had, if something bad had happened in my first game back, I would have I would have destroyed her. <laughs> Fighting words. Fighting words. <laughs> So I think we'll end it there, but excited to watch you guys in Nationals coming up. Excited to call your game. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, guys. This episode of Dinos Unfiltered is a presentation of Dinos Athletics. Episodes are available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and our website, godinos.com. Make sure to check out the website or the Go Dinos app for schedules and tickets to all your favorite games. And if you can't make it out to the game, remember that our games are streamed on Canada West TV presented by Co-op. Thanks to my special guests today and hope you'll join us in the next episode.